0: Welcome to the Future Church podcast with Anthony Delaney. If this podcast helps you, forward it to others, give us a review, and subscribe today. For additional thoughts and resources, visit antonydelaney.com.
1: So I'm delighted that today I get to spend some time meeting with my friend Ness Wilson. we're in, We're in. We're not at different sides of the same room. Although looking at the colour scheme, it could look like that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I imagine. Are you in Loughborough? I am. I am. I'm in the lounge in Loughborough. I'm I'm here in sunny Manchester which we don't often get to say but um, it's great to be able to catch up as part of our future church podcast we've been listening to and learning from a whole bunch of um, different leaders and it's just uh, like a resource bank that we're starting to build up and it could be people that we've connected with uh, through launch a multiplication catalyst which um, Ness has been part of previously and I'm delighted will be again for us this year um, but um Ness has a, uh, a, a, a quite the leadership pedigree in all kinds of different ways, and her list of um, places in which she leads in ways in which she leads is is quite extraordinary really uh, she leads is the like the national leader of the pioneer network uh, and uh, also leads open heaven church so is a church leader church planter. And network leader, um, you're also um, on the uh, the steering group, um, if that's the right word, for um, the wildfires event, um, yeah. which uh, is wonderful, uh, and also um, on the, want to say the board of the Evangelical Alliance.
0: Yeah. 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 The council. Yeah. Of the
1: yeah. EA. Yeah. Yeah. How long has that been for?
0: Uh, I think about two and a half years.
1: Great, um, and. Oh, just every time that we ever get spent together, I always end up learning something from you. When you came and spoke at launch, I know that so many people were, have been inspired by your input, that um, we have a thing, in new thing. We talk about ICNU conversations whereby somebody comes alongside somebody and then and it encourages them to see something in themselves that maybe they didn't even uh, see themselves. And I, I could you know, have a list of people who uh, I know have, have said to me that the talks that you've given at launch were so much part of helping them to be able to see what God sees in them. So thank you so much for that. And uh, we're looking forward to, to drawing some of that gold out uh, from you today, if that's okay. So yeah. I'm just giving a few things with regard to your um, your background, your uh, what you're now doing. I suppose that's the foreground of, of how people might see you and know you. That's the kind of the, the biography um, uh, or, or the, the the quick bio. But what's the kind of longer one? How what's the journey? No, you know, I don't know. There's this question about whether somebody's born a leader or becomes a leader, but at some point. suppose you realised oh wow actually I'm a person with influence here and how did that happen when did it start just tell us a little bit about the kind of journey of leadership for you please
0: yeah well I don't think I was born a leader so I wasn't born into a family where like my parents were in leadership Um, but I think for me probably the journey started when I was 15 I went on a youth Camp, uh, like a Bible week, and I remember one morning just going for a walk, just a bit of time, me and God took my Bible, took my journal. I felt I had a God encounter, and God gave me a life verse, and it was 2 Timothy 4 verse 5, Mm. and it was, but you keep your head in all circumstances, endure hardship, do the work of an evangelist, and fulfill all the duties of your ministry. And it was like a real God call. It was like I knew God's hand was on my life. Mm. And I wrote off to those, I came home and I told my parents, I'm called by God. And I wrote off to loads of Bible colleges, um, basically saying that, like, you know, I feel like I, I'm called to, to God's church and I need training. So um, like, like, what, what what do I need to do? And they obviously all wrote back and said, you're too young. You can only come to Bible college when you're 18 or 21, which when you're 15, feels like a lifetime away. Yeah. So. Um, I kind of, but I just knew that sense of God's call and I think it ignited something in me. And I remember then it wasn't long after that and I led a a friend of mine, I led her to Jesus at the bottom of the school field. She then went on actually, she gave her life into missions. Um, And then probably the first real experience of leadership was leading the school CU. So then that was um, sixth form. Mm. And kind of to my surprise, the CU just started to grow and, and grew kind of quite significantly. Um, but I, even then, I didn't particularly see that as a leadership gift. I just thought it was totally coincidental that somehow God was just sort of turning up and, and something had happened. But then I got to, because um, i had been put off by Bible colleges because they'd said I was too young, I just kind of ended up, I went to to Loughborough Uni. And then in the first term, I discovered when I got there, all the second and third year Christians have been praying for 10 fired up freshers. 10 of us turned up, we turned up, we were really keen to be used by God, prayed our socks off. And there was this move of God. And um, again, you know, leading friends to Jesus and supernatural stuff. Um, And again, found myself in this sort of movement of, you know, things were growing and I set up something it was like a little message nurture groups of new Christians. Like, you know, I've, I've got a taste of the, uh, the unbelievable privilege of, of, of discipling people who are freshly in love with Jesus. And that's something that just that, that has never left me, that, that joy. Um, and so then, oh, yeah. And then I was asked to go on this, the, like, again, the CU kind of leadership exec the committee there. And again, found myself, I was kind of heading up press stuff and it was growing. And I think I just began then to start to put two and two together of, I think there's something of of a leadership gift that's in me. Hmm. Um, And then uh, there was a prophetic word given about a church starting up in the Midlands, led by young people for young people. And those of us that were caught up in this move of God thought, perhaps it was us. And so then we, we planted um, Open Heaven when, when we all graduated in the summer. Um, so, yes, it was a gradual journey for me, really. It was more looking back and seeing the same pattern repeat itself of ending up in leadership positions and then those things growing. I began to tweak that it was, it was part of what God had put in me. Um, And to be honest, I actually felt as though, certainly starting off, I felt like the the measure of my leadership gift didn't seem that well developed. So I remember thinking other people around me of a similar age who also had a leadership gift, maybe their parents had been in leadership or they'd kind of been, I don't know, nurtured or brought up in that. I actually felt like I had this little amount of leadership gift. And I just really, I can remember committing to God and saying, this bit of leadership gift. I'm going to do something every year of my life. So by the time I get into my fifties, like I'm a really good leader Mm -hmm. because I just felt like it was this precious thing that I I wanted to maximize it. And uh, so that actually is something I say to our younger leaders. Now, if you think about doing something every single year of your life, that invests in your leadership gift, like you are going to be, you are just going to be such a gift
1: yeah.
0: To God's church
1: Yeah Well that's that I suppose that's a really good way of Dealing with the imposter syndrome stuff isn't it Yeah Because so often you know, I know the same feeling You go into a room And you're then there And you're like How did I end up here And everything And you know you, There's all the, oh, these other people and, and they say some of the rooms That you're connected into As part of what you're doing You know leading a denomination effectively And all kinds of There's like Oh wow But just Doing yeah. that and what was that verse again? 2
0: Timothy? 2 Timothy 4 verse
1: 5. I'd love to just look at that a little bit more. It's not like a, you're going to be a leader, everything's going to no. be great. And, and you know, it, it's, <laughs> I mean, no. No, it's like, that's not yeah, like a usual one, is it? So I'm looking in the NIV and it says, uh, you keep your head in all situations, endure hardship, do the work of an evangelist discharge all the duties of your ministry is that is i mean that's pretty hardcore really isn't it
0: yeah
1: really to, to you know it's like um, it, there's no enticing job prospect offer there particularly <laughs> that sometimes one might look for of you know come and follow me and so i mean endure hardship that can kind of lead on i don't know you might I'm, we've heard there about the obviously it's work doing the work, doing the ministry and the duties of your ministry. And, and there's been the successes and there's those things that you kind of go, wow, that was just God. Um, but in, in, in recent times with lockdown previously, obviously as much as you're willing to share, or I feel you're able to share, what have the hardships been like and how, how have you learned to do what that says? And, and endure when we don't necessarily it doesn't say enjoyment enjoy ministry but you know <laughs> all the time <laughs> it's like but endure what's the what's the secrets of that do you think
0: i actually think having this early on was really really helpful when when we went through some really hard times but almost knowing that that, that kind of promise was there so I didn't have a kind of a flawed theology of, oh, because I'm like, you know, obeying God's call in my life, then like, you know, somehow I'm going to be in a bubble of immunity from what the rest of the world goes through. I had quite a quite a realistic view of, you know, there were going to be some tough times um, in, in life. And so probably a few of the hardest hits were, um, I remember when I turned 30, I wrote like a kind of a, a vow for the decade of my thirties. And mm. one of the things in it was um, about just um, spending more time with my mum and dad again, because we'd been really close gro- you know, growing up, you know, really lovely parents. Um, but with all the, the intensity of church planting, I knew that I had got a little bit disconnected. I hadn't gone home that much in my twenties. But then just a few weeks after writing that kind of vow for my 30s, there's a whole number of stuff in it. Like I, I said, I, want, I refuse to get jaded and cynical, but I'll remain um, childlike in my faith and my joy. Anyway, there's a few lines in it, hmm. um, but one that was about my parents. But then I got this phone call from my mom and she'd been diagnosed with um, terminal cancer. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was just turned just 13. And, you know, we prayed and we fasted and anointed her with oil and declared the healing scriptures and, and you know, really, really fought um, for her life. And I had just had my first child, um, but she died. And that was a real, yeah. Like, in my head, I had this picture, they were about their house on a the market, they were going to move up and help me with, you know, my head, I thought they could really help me try and Juggle this like motherhood and ministry yep. combination, but you know that, that I had to work through, you know, obviously grief and also disappointment um, of what my thirties was going to look like. But that that part of the verse really helped.
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: then a, a couple of years later, we um, our um, our second child was uh, born prematurely with a heart condition. A little boy called Josiah. Um, and he died after um twenty four hours oh, wow. that was probably the well that 's been the hardest the hardest hit of, of, of our life um, so yeah. far and but strangely, knowing that knowing that verse at fifteen of, of you know enduring hardship and And for Rich and I, even though it was really obviously brutal and emotionally, you know you know grieving a child is 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 massive, yeah. genuinely knew a grace that just carried us every day through that kind of that bereavement process. Mm-hmm. and And it was like we were devastated but not destroyed. And partly, we weren't weren't destroyed on the inside because I think that, again, that sense of just God's call over us. And then two years after that, we had um, our lovely daughter, who's now 12, and um, all, you know, lots of joy, lots of uh, kind of, I guess, we kind of felt a lot of redemption in that. Um, But then when she was 18 months, she was diagnosed with cancer. And so we went through this cancer journey with her. Mm -hmm. And it just felt... (laughs) you know, like serious blows. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, we just knew, we knew a grace of God over, over that. But that whole season, I think my thirties was, was just like, man, this, I felt like I kept going back into the, the boxing ring and, you know, fighting some serious giants. Um, mm. And at one point, just, you know, just a picture of holding on to the, to the, um, I don't know. I, I'm not very good. I don't know much about boxing, but the the, the springy, elastic. The ropes. On, right? <laughs> the rope on, on. Yeah. And <laughs> just, but just, I knew that, I, you know, it was like I was holding on, but I knew that I had an inner strength in me to be able to then stand up again. Um, so, yeah, so that kind of endure hardship was probably, and I remember someone saying to me in my twenties, Sometimes they said, "The greater the calling, the greater the testing, mm. so I kind of just took it as like, well, you know there's an enemy who wants to take me out, yeah, um but like God has given me this promise when I was a teenager that i'm going to have enough strength to endure hardship, and I feel like he's come true on that, he's been faithful in that
1: good job you didn't just get jeremiah twenty nine eleven or something then. <laughs> 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 no, not like you know i'm sure that, that is a wonderful part of the bible too but, you know, yeah. Yeah. You know, but i mean it does actually i mean that's a powerful verse and sometimes to have that i wonder you know for people who are listening and watching whether they've got those kind of like you said that's my life verse and you know i could tell you what which one mine is and there's and again mine's not an, e- an easy one but it is it, there's things that we have and these are these then become what 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 keep you going when you're hung hanging on to those ropes and yeah and sort of feeling you know and so you get down but not out and all those kind of things but yeah um yeah so i'm going to read it again keep your head in all situations and hardship do the work of an evangelist so often people will say well i'm not a natural evangelist but it you know i work at it absolutely yeah and yeah uh, I don't know whether that would be true of you. Would that be the case with you? Or would you you know you're saying about leading your friends to the Lord when you Yeah, you know? I, think
0: I I sort of feel like I have got so we're probably within my top three or four spiritual gifts. Evangelism would be up there, but I'm not like a type A evangelist, it's not my primary top gift. Mm. Um and so I I I love sharing Jesus with people, but I'm not somebody who could just just Share the gospel you know uh, every conversation I'm having, mm-hmm. but I think I work hard at developing um you know relationship and trust and you know even just locally during lockdown just on mm-hmm. all out to 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 basically build community and build friendship with our with all of our neighbors, and that then of course lends itself then to the opportunities to be able to share our faith and you know. From mm. giving out Richie's book to our neighbours and all sorts of things. Um, mm. So that comes from that passion of, what I, you know, I, I need to work at being an evangelist. I'm so convinced and committed that it's what all of us are called to do.
1: Mm. That's cool. Yeah. And then it talks about dischar- discharging all the duties of your ministry. So at the moment, what does that involve? What does it look like for you to be doing, doing the duty of the ministry stuff that you're involved with?
0: I mean, I think... For me there's been a lot of um, having to, um, to operate in areas that I'm not naturally strong in or naturally comfortable in, having to learn a lot of things that um, historically I would have quite happily <laughs> stayed far away from um, and kind of just yeah let other people get on with but it's be, it, you know I've had to really push myself like you know gone to webinars on digital church and normally tech stuff digital you know that's not normally part of my world um but i just knew i i I had to get my head around it um because this you know this again is the evangelism bit isn't it this is the missional opportunity these are our roman roads it's like you know the early church was was dispersed out of the temple courts we've been dispersed out onto the internet and into our local streets so i just knew right okay if this is where it's at right now, this is what I need to become good at, or at least become better at. Um,
1: Yeah.
0: yeah, Lots of learning.
1: So maybe the COVID stuff, perhaps some of it has just brought about change of itself, but also many people are saying it's accelerated change that was necessary, but maybe for comfort's sake or all kinds of other reasons we haven't, haven't done. So that could be personally, um, as well as sort of, professionally, church-wise. So now, looking through more recent times since March, uh, you know, I was... It was amazing for me that just before March, I was able to speak at your conference and we had a great time. And there was all these people in the room and we were all worshiping the Lord. And it was like, yes, and, you know, the, I just remember having a, oh, just, I just, for me, one of the best times of, of the, just the presence of God and worship at that, you know, the Pioneer Conference was off the charts. I can actually feel the Holy Spirit. Now, as I'm talking about that, you know, because it just was a very special time. It was, and then it was like just, and then we were going straight after. It was like the last thing that we, I did, certainly. Yeah, me too. Be- you know, before we got into into the yeah. lockdown thing, so you know, kind of got, talking about going from potentially a high into a low. But what what there's been other highs as well. What 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 have you been learning? What's God been t- speaking to you about through the lockdown?
0: I mean, I think just the whole thing of, um, you know, how, how subtly church drifts towards being a consumer product mm. and, and um, that almost in stripping those things away, just that, just that it is a, I think, you know, you, you use the word reframe. It is a, it's a reframing mm. of, of what church is about and, and actually it's kind of getting, stripping everything away, everything that's unnecessary, and it's like, all we actually need is the mission of God, the word of God and the spirit of God. And it's like God has kind of forced everything else away mm. and we're left with those. And they're enough. Again, we've been looking at the book of Acts, you know, in our kind of in our live stream and it's so obvious mm. the, the, um, the, the unstoppable, the unquenchable passion that they had and it was you know, they had mission, they had the word of God, they had the spirit of God, and they didn't have the buildings and the, you know, all the paraphernalia that we have. And just, mm. um, so that I think has been really, it's been just, yeah, fascinating to, to kind of see what does that then look like when we're forced out of our kind of comfort and our convenience. And I'm even talking to our lot you know, now, uh, you know, just about, I think we might need to get more used to, um just meeting outdoors, whatever the weather. You know, yeah. I mean who knows about indoor. Yeah, but I like the underground church. Mm. You know, they, they meet in caves, they meet under trees, like, mm. and we've just got so used to there's a like an assumption, well of course if we meet together we have to be warm or we have to be dry. But what about if we don't?
1: Yeah. Yeah. What about
0: if you know I can imagine some amazing kind of prayer and worship sessions mm. in a field in the pouring rain.
1: Oh, I'm challenged by that. That's like years ago, a couple of years ago at Spring Harvest. I don't know if you met that, that lady who came along, who, who was from North Korea, who planted the church, like in the toilet of the prison. And yeah. just like, you know. But it's like, you, and it's like, what's my excuse? Yeah. Wow. That's also an opportunity, isn't it? If we, we It's going to need everybody to step up and see that part of it. When Yeah. That's uh, yeah. yeah. yeah, so good. And, um, I suppose what have you learned about yourself during lockdown and the things that, that you know during this time some reflection and
0: um I think <laughs> so if I'm really honest I had always thought of myself as quite a patient person mm-hmm. and, and I've realized how impatient I can be and <laughs> like um, I think like some of the, I felt like fairly early on, I could s- kind of see the opportunities and, and, you know, knew we had to pivot really quickly, but mm. just the, just the, the, some of the levels of frustration I had to carry in, in not everybody seeing that as quickly and as easily. And I don't think I handled my frustrations that well at times. Um, but <laughs>
1: I you don't need to tell us any of the stories. That's all right. I'm sure we've all got very similar. Ones. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um,
0: yeah. I think I, that whole thing about um, I just feel really that, You know, the whole being able to kind of self-feed and mm. uh, you know just get you know the the power of scripture and what does it actually look like to 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 just be soaking ourselves in scripture, particularly as. I think it's the best antidote to anxiety and to fear and mm-hmm. everything like that that seek that it, you know seeks to just sort of um it's kind of crouching at the door, isn't it ready to pounce but yeah. like you know soaking yourself in scripture and the truth of that um
1: that's so good you know. I was in a I always remember i mean I'm going to ask you in a moment what's your kind of daily discipline look like in that just to kind of prep you for it, but as you're saying it i I've pretty much for years every day read the Bible and do a plan, do it with Zoe usually in the mornings. But I always remember at one point being at a conference uh with some big leader who shall remain nameless and talking about how most leaders don't read the Bible every day in the church. And he had these statistics about all these leaders who don't read the Bible every day. And I'd got up really super early to be at this conference and hadn't got a chance to read the Bible. So then he said, right, I'm going to do an honesty moment right now. Who, who's actually read the Bible this morning? <laughs> and I was like, I was like wanting to go, I do every day. I just haven't today oh. Lord. You know, Is it alright for me to put my hand up? No, that would be a lie <laughs> 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 I, just had to, I had to sit there and you know, it was like, I, felt, I thought he was going to cast us out into outer darkness at the end of it where there's weeping and wailing <laughs> and gnashing of teeth <laughs> So anyway, so we all get a bye you know, occasionally but, but um, what does it look like for you then? You know, you're saying about being a self-feeder what 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 does it what's the self feeder do?
0: Yeah, well, I mean, for us, I think um, there's obviously there's the the daily time. So for um, you know, Rich now will try and um, wake up a, a, a good early-ish sort of time, really before the girls are up. So then um, you know, then both of us we've got like a little there's a little room kind of off of our bedroom which is quite a nice kind of like a sort of prayer room slash drying the clothes laundry room um but there's like a chair in there to be able to then just you know read scripture I'm a great journaler so I've got my journal here
1: oh yeah
0: <laughs> and um that really helps me to stay focused and I
1: quite I want often- to come back to you on that in a moment if I can so I'm put a flag okay. into that one yeah
0: um, I quite often just use something that I learned when I was a teenager, which is just the acronym ACTS, Adoration, Confession, Thanksgiving, supplication. It's just worked for me all these years. and just then actually gives me some time to start off adoring God, write out my praise, you know, confession. It's just a really good discipline I think of. I just say, God, what are the ugly bits, you know, that, that um, you, just, you just need to show me things I've thought, said, done, that's wrong. Mm -hmm. Um, Thanksgiving, even if the list of what I'm thankful for, you know, is the same as yesterday, it's just a really good discipline. And I think, again, in terms of the culture that we're in, both around comparison, you know, or anxiety, just writing down what you're thankful for, it really helps me. And then education. So that for me, that's the kind of asking God for the big things, asking God for the things that are so way beyond my Capacity or capability. So um, yeah, there's a, there's a this 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 kind of like three big prayers I'm praying this year. One around a miraculous healing. Um, my brother-in-law uh, has um, has got cancer in both his lungs, and so just just that's a, like a. Another is around a. What's
1: the name? <laughs> um, other people come and join you James, in that perhaps, if that's James, all
0: right. Yeah, James James Wilson. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so supplication is the kind of the, the big present. then I put a little L, which just, which is just stands for listen, and just listen to God. And sometimes I get something, mm. um, sometimes I don't. That's fine, you know. But I just write what I feel God is saying to me, that's good. Um, and maybe for that day, you know, it, that that what I wrote down, it might come back to me at some point in a conversation I'm having with somebody, or um, that kind of thing. Mm. And then at the moment, I'm feeling a real passion around um, prayer walking. So um, I, I do um, yeah, either a lunchtime, either early morning or a lunchtime, um, kind of do a bit of a, a prayer walk. And then also since lockdown, we've started reading the Bible just as like a, a household over breakfast. And so read a few verses together. Um, we, um, we have really enjoyed living in community for, for most of our married life. Um, so that's quite fun, reading the Bible together with our girls and then two others who live with us.
1: Because mm. I want to come back to that, because you said about journaling and you at different times talked about it. It just seemed when you said it, like you talked about things that you had when you were about 30 and there were things that you were then praying for. And then when you said earlier that you'd said something about by the time I'm 50, I want to be this kind of a leader. So were those, were those the kind of things that you did, you wrote down as well as, you know, to be able to articulate them, you actually have them, you've written them down and those kind of things. And is that, you know, those, yeah. Those, yeah, there's a discipline as well is to, is to, yeah. is to be writing things rather than just. Yeah. Just thinking
0: that, Yeah, for me, I've just found if you think something, mm. um, it can stay a little bit conceptual, like up here. Mm. Whereas if you if you write it down, and I just know for me, there's been times some really significant sort of sets of goals. I've, I've, I'm fairly sort of goal orientated, mm. and so just as long as I can remember. Even like right back in the early 20s, you know, I can remember like long-term goals, medium-term goals, short-term goals in terms of who I was becoming. Mm. Um, and, I, you know, there's been just this sort of, I guess, like a hunger of God, you know, what are the next steps in terms of my character? And what are the next steps in terms of my kind of gifting and call? And so I do that. At, well, like at the, one of the other kind of little things I do is at the start of every year, I'll go away you know, for like a couple of days on on a prayer retreat. Um, and that's just really helpful. Again, take my journal. I reflect on the previous year, you know, what have been the highlights when I felt fully alive, like I'm in my sweet spot, I'm doing my God assignment. What have been the bits where I felt like I've perhaps drifted or just been really hard and challenging. But then always this question at the start of every year, what are the next steps Mm. for my character to become more Christ-like and the next steps for my gifting to grow? Um, Oh, yeah but then when it's whenever it's like a decade turn or you know a birthday or something i tend to then think through like goals uh more mm-hmm. longer term goals
1: wow that's really good and, you know purposeful so let's translate that now into questions around and we've already begun to touch on it a little bit about what the church of the future could look like um whatever the future, you know, looks like. And, uh, you know, this move, as you've said, towards self-feeders, people worshipping in new ways and different ways. But as we um, are reframing church and and perhaps even more biblically reframing what church is, um, what kind of things do you uh, envisage um, that we, you know, challenges to face, opportunities to seize? Um, as, we, as we move forward, for for Open Heaven, for Pioneer, for the Church in the Nation and the Nations, really a small, just a little question.
0: It's a little thing. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, th- I mean, kind of the top of my head, I think is the whole thing of uh, the the need for more people to step up into leadership, because I think that the sort of the um, the, the model of the sort of the, the um, just adding more and more and more people, you know, to a Sunday gathering. I just I just can't really see the, the future in that. But I think the, the smaller missional expressions, mm. uh, you know, being planted and, and like I, you know, I've talked to our church about, you can be a lake church and it looks really impressive, you know, a big lake,
1: mm. but it's
0: got an empty to stagnate. Or you can be a river church where actually, you know, you're carving out new territory, it's fresh. It's basically this whole kind of movement of sending. And my conviction at the moment is God is messing up the edges of lakes mm. and beginning to turn them into rivers for those who, for those who kind of see that that's, that's what he's doing. And so actually if we're going to be river churches, then we need a lot more leaders who are able to step up. And almost I, I've kind of thought a little bit about um, needing more leaders who, are ha- ha- you know, who feel there's a, there's, they'll follow, they'll, they'll obey the call of God, to plant into unreached networks and neighbourhoods, um, yeah. to, to wherever he's calling them. Then in my head, I've been thinking, I, I probably the next season is about having a, a sort of almost like a low bar and high bar approach. This is just what I've been thinking of, um, that actually there's probably going to need to be more risks taken with people for whom their leadership gift perhaps isn't that obvious yet, or it's not that mature yet. So they're almost like, you know, to kind of lower the bar because we're going to need much more leaders but then keep 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 the expectations of where people go to and grow to as being high bar yeah particularly obviously around character so just that whole kind of low bar high bar thing i'm just mulling about in my head at the moment um of you know we we've sent you know sent a couple of church plants out and we've got three expressions and but if i'm really honest the leaders of those plants and expressions have all been quite well developed in their leadership already. You know, they've been really easy for me to to have the I see conversations. Mm. Just, you know, they've been quite just mature and whole and like they, you know, they've been well, yeah, well developed already. But just that to, to be a river church and to and to and to dare to continue to 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 plant more widely. Um, then it's the leadership pipeline that i'm really i'm really struck by what how do we how do we speed that up i think
1: yeah really really interesting what's the value then of of networks i suppose to help to develop these kind of rivers um, you know what would obviously you're part of a network and you lead a network pioneer which is growing um, and, you know, it's not, not necessarily a sales pitch for anybody listening, but, you know, sometimes I think there is isolation, there's ways in which we could end up trying to do this on our own. What values, What what is valuable, I suppose, uh, in terms of the, because I think what we're seeing, I mean, some people are talking about the end of denominationalism, etc. in some ways, because people don't have to buy into that anymore. And actually a lot of it more is about relationships and we've got this, you know, we've, we've unified around the Jesus mission, et cetera. Yeah. But the the extreme end of that is to kind of go it alone. It's just me and Jesus. So um, how do we do networks well and how do we, you know, encourage one another as, as church leaders and what have you found that's been helpful to you as part of that, I suppose?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think... Um there's just something, isn't there, about feeling as though you belong to something bigger, because if you belong to something bigger, then actually the the, the multiple effect of the impact, um, you know, start, starts to starts to really scale up, which becomes exciting because then you're hearing the stories actually as to what what God is doing with people who you regard as part of your family. So. Mm-hmm. You know, so so actually, you know, if another church is sending off a church plant, you kind of feel an ownership of, oh, this is, this is yours as well. And so when yeah. you're hearing the stories of breakthroughs that are happening, you know, you've prayed into that, you've cheered them off, maybe you've given them so financially into it. And so that sense of kind of the, the, the sort of the family or the network you're part of is advancing the kingdom yeah. in quite a scaled up kind of strategic way. Mm-hmm. Um I also just think, just really practically, that that um, you know, if you're part of something bigger, then you have um, you've got multiple kind of wisdom, and you've got a number of people you can call on for uh, for advice. And I know that we've massively benefited from the oversight that we've had from Steve Clifford, mm. and that's something I'm really passionate about in Pioneer. Is that actually we you know we know what it is to be able to have people we trust, and that we can invite to speak into our lives, and also that. You know I think a lot of the pain in churches, particularly like you know church splits or division or you know leadership tensions, a lot of that could be avoided if we had people that we knew and trusted and um, that could then come into into those settings. So I'm just really keen obviously uh, leading a network that is a network of really healthy churches and vibrant churches and that when there are those points where churches get stuck, because there always will be, there'll always be some misunderstandings on a leadership team and, you know, we're people, aren't we? We're human. But but to have the kind of um, the covering, if you like, of you can just call on someone who everybody knows and everyone trusts. We've, we've experienced that with Steve coming into our, our team a few times. It's just like uh, there's just a safety of, you know, someone yeah. who can hold the space for you can help to facilitate a conversation so um, there is something uh, I think about having other leaders that that are trusted by a team that is totally invaluable, uh, which you know' I'm not uh, I don't think you get so much if you're kind of just going it alone um, so yeah, and then obviously in terms of leadership again, you know I think obviously the starting point of someone's leadership journey has to be in their own local church family you have to have. You know, something has to emerge and you then get given a small opportunity of leading a small group or a mission project. Or, but mm-hmm. then the next level of leadership training, I think, can happen at a network level more effectively than if it just stays at a local church level. So, like, I know we've got like a score of leaders and, you know, we do mentoring and all of that and leadership huddles. But then knowing I can send people on what we call it pioneer pathway, I know they're then getting the next level of, of theological input and leadership training um, so that's just really helpful as well
1: mm. since you remember from a previous conversation or uh, maybe a the talk you gave at launch that you're talking about Steve Clifford there, but he was again somebody who was instrumental in your leadership journey and had a uh, you know a kind of an see sort of conversation with you early on yeah um, he did. yeah he's a great guy yeah and so um um starting to draw it kind of into. A close as we go forward. Um, what, um, what do you think is the most important thing, perhaps, for the next few months for a leader to be doing? Because there's so many unknowns, um, and uh, you know, like between now and even Christmas, if there was just a couple of things that you feel like oh, actually, really, whatever else happens, we've got to make sure. I get, get, at least try my best to get that right. What would be those things? And, you know, it could be, again, personal. It could be corporately in the life of the church. What are the things that just, you know, they've got to go to the top of a to-do or to-be list, I suppose?
0: Uh, I mean, one of the things I feel God is is um, certainly challenging us as as open heaven, and I think it, it's probably wider. Um one is the whole thing of um, the importance of prayer walking. So there's, 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 you know, we've gone through different seasons of prayer walking, but I, it's like, in terms of what is to come, saturating mm. the streets of our localities, I feel as though um, God has, has like reordered our time to be so much more rooted locally. You know, so for many people, their weekends are now at home rather than traveling. Mm. Work is from home rather than going out. You know to an office or so but there's a there's a there's an added spiritual ownership that god's wanting to do which i think so you know we're gonna have a week of prayer and fasting and and, and prayer walking next week and we're just saying to everyone like just just you know every day get out and prayer walk yeah. you start speaking you know pulling down the spiritual strongholds asking god who are the people of peace you know, like I think I know that the the, the, uh, the strategic person of peace just in our locality is the uh, the guy who owns our corner shop. You know, like I know that already. So just like, who are the people of peace? Mm. You know, and what about the, the key places of influence? Start praying into that because uh, you know you you know that I I'm the wildfires thing, and I'm mm. I, I feel passionate about preparing and contending for another, another great awakening. And it's almost like God has stripped away all of the the things that distracted us and took away our time. Yeah. And, I, and I kind of feel like now we need to prayer walk and soak and saturate our streets ready for what he's going to do. Yeah. Um, and then and then I think just the second thing in terms of churches really getting um, uh, prepared and equipped for the post-COVID landscape of, um, of social need. So mental health, you know, debt, you know employment training food poverty all those things of of, i just think every church is going to need to be stepping up in those areas yeah um so i would say those kind of two things of prayer walking and then really thinking through mm. there's going to be an opportunity to practically serve the needs of our communities in a way that perhaps we've not had before and mm. um, to step up in that um
1: wow you know how unusual it is that you would give those answers. As I look around and read various things, I don't know. Maybe I'm reading the wrong things, but so much I'm reading about is all about how we do a really good Sunday. <laughs>
0: really?
1: <laughs> oh yeah. I mean, lots of kind of how to how to make your you know make your church look you know better than the church down the road. So I think we we there's just this thing that still keeps wanting to go back to that previous. um you know we're all there's only so i mean the the way we talk about it's the red ocean and blue ocean thinking it's like that kind of you you know as if we're all competing for the christians that we've got to try and keep as many as possible coming to my church so i'm going to make my sunday better and you know do my youtube or whatever and uh so yeah prayer walking and looking after the poor (laughs) sounds a bit more jesus-like so yeah (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> there's no arguments that's really good <laughs> yeah great okay well um, it's been such a wonderful time and uh, unless there's anything any question you think oh you should have asked me that Anthony why didn't you say that or um, anything that you want to kind of you know you, it's a last minute thing you just want to say with everybody who's who's watching or listening what would it be um,
0: no I think I, it's just that It's just that thing, isn't it, of, um, you know, it's trusting. It's deeply trusting that even though so much of what has been familiar has been stripped away, Mm. God knows what he's doing.
1: Come
0: on. And um, we just need to hold on, hold on, hold on with everything that we've got um, to, you know, the goodness of God, the abundance of God. Mm. This isn't, you know, it can feel like we're lacking, but actually... In the in the bigger picture, in the in the long term plan, um, yeah, he can be fully trusted, and, and I think that's part, part of the journey throughout throughout certainly our lives. Me and Rich wow. has just been just it's been a deep exercise in in trusting the goodness of God.
1: Come cool. two Timothy chapter four verse five. But you keep your head in all situations, endure hardship. Do the work of an evangelist. Discharge all the duties of your ministry. Thanks for doing that so well and encouraging us to do the same. Ness Wilson, it's been wonderful to have you on Future Church Podcast.
0: Cool, thank you. Thanks for listening to the Future Church Podcast. If you enjoyed this conversation, please consider subscribing, leaving a review Listen back with your team and share it. Further thoughts and resources can be found at anthonydelaney.com.